0: Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved the Lord, let us draw near with true heart and confess our sins to God, our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord.
1: We have earth.
0: I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. You forgave the iniquity of my sin. Merciful Father, I am a poor sinful sinner,
1: and confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have recommended you, and and justly deserve your.
0: But the Son, but of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. and his righteousness to children's children.
1: Glory to the Father.
0: So by thine appointment, they may help and defend us on earth. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Behold, a hand touched me, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you. And stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said, to me, fear not, Daniel? For from the first day that you set your heart to understand, and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, withstood stood me twenty-one days, but Michael, chief of the princes, came to help me, and I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make my mind what is to happen to your people in the latter days. Vision is for days yet to come. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as. Such as never has been since there was a nation. At that time, but at that time your people shall be delivered. whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake: some to everlasting life, and some to shame, everlasting. And those who are wise shall shine with the brightness of the sky above. Those who turn many to righteousness, like the stars, word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. but it's time is But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and, be, and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations of sin! The word is scandale. scandal, scandal. It's, it's a stumbling block. It makes you trick. So the word is necessary. Scandals come. Woe to the one by whom. Stand or comes. And if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to enter like crippled or lame, than with two hands or two feet, to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter light with one eye, than the two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man came to save that which is lost. the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That portion of God's word which we consider this morning the Holy Spirit caused the Apostle Matthew to write for our comfort and learning. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you their angels do always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. Let us pray. These are your words, Holy Father, sanctify us by the truth, your word is truth, amen. I would like to teach you guys two Latin words. I hope you don't mind. You already know one of them, and it is the word plus, plus. And you know the other one is ultra, which may describe a certain kind of beer that you have at a football game, but that's not what it means. Plus ultra. Let's say that together. Plus ultra. Plus means more, and ultra means beyond. More and beyond. More and beyond. The disciples came to Jesus with a question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They had this problem arguing about it. They were even arguing about this very same thing on the night when Jesus was betrayed in his darkest hour. They imagined a kingdom, an earthly kingdom, with earthly kings, with earthly power, and they were not content that they were called to be apostles, that they had been given and ordained with a gift of performing miracles and casting out demons. No, they wanted... After Jesus, to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven, which they imagined was earthly. And they wanted not just that, but they wanted, each one of them wanted to be superior to the other, above the other. Now, we see here that Jesus chose sinners to preach his word. And this is always what man does plus ultra, more than what God has given and beyond what God has given. God made his angel, who <clears throat> was called Lucifer Lightbearer, because he was brilliant, bright, intelligent, wise, strong among all the angels, and he was not content with that glory which had been given him, but he wanted plus ultra, more and beyond what God gave him. He did not stay within the bounds that God had set for him, and so he, with the angels who rebelled, were cast out of heaven. And Adam was created perfectly. God looked at all that he had made, and he said, it is good. And he made man in his own image to reflect his righteousness and goodness and beauty. What glory Adam had, how intelligent he was. We can only begin to understand after laborious study But he wanted plus ultra, more, to be like God, to be God, with his knowledge of good and evil. We see this with Cain. He was not content to share the land with his brother and to receive his commendation from God to resist sin. But he killed his brother to gain his glory over him. Plus ultra. We see this with all sorts of people. It is, it inheres in us. Adam, what Adam did desiring this plus ultra, which is from the devil, this is the poison of the devil, this more and beyond that God has given, infects us all. There's a story my mother loves to tell. I have a twin brother named John. He's pastor at Trinity in Cheyenne. And my mom would give us each a cookie so that we would be content to not cry so she could get something done. All you mothers know how that works. Well, then she hears, she gives us each a cookie, and she hears John crying. She comes over and she sees that I have taken John's cookie away. And I'm just sitting there as if I hadn't done anything wrong. And so my mom, just to keep me from crying because she has to get stuff done, gives John another cookie, goes back to her work, and then she hears John cry again. She comes, she sees John with no cookie, and me with a cookie in my mouth and two cookies in my hand. (laughs) We're born with it, guys. We're born with it, It's more and beyond. Perhaps some of you know the story of Alexander the Great. Alexander of Macedon conquered Greece, conquered the entire Persian kingdom, and wasn't content with that, but went on and conquered India. And after he had conquered India, he had heard that there were lands to the east, China, and he told his men, let's go. And they refused to go with him. And do you know what this great conqueror of the world did? He got on his knees and cried. Because he couldn't have a altar. More and beyond. This is our problem. And this is what also prevents us from seeing the holy angels. How do we enter into the kingdom of God? You see, they say, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? Jesus changes it as he often does. And he says, unless he takes a little child, he puts him in the midst of them, and he says, unless you are converted, unless you turn and become like little children you will I know, means enter the kingdom of God. He just assumed that the kingdom of God was theirs, but while they were striving with each other, while they wanted to push another down to raise themselves up, they lost sight of what the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, really is. And there is nothing wrong with wanting more. I want more children. People are like, are you done yet? Give me a break. No, no more of the greatest blessing God has ever given me. No, no, no. I don't really like you guys all that much. I want more, but I will only receive what God gives me through my life. You see? That's nothing wrong with that. You want to expand your business? There is nothing wrong with expanding your business. You want to learn more. That's wonderful. Knowledge, get knowledge, get understanding. You want to become stronger, more physically fit. That's good. Do it for God and your neighbor. You want to know how to defend your family, etc. You want to become better at all sorts of things. Or to get more land to use it well. You can see this all throughout the Bible, people doing this. The question is, is whether we expect the highest good from these things, from earthly glory and how we actually want to attain it the disciples expected earthly glory you have not you have not known jesus that way jesus does not reveal himself to you as you follow the world and you follow alexander the great plus ultra he doesn't show himself to you as you seek to be great and he shows in what means and by what in, uh, by what means and in what manner you actually do become great in the kingdom of heaven. He says, Whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> Whoever humbles himself, and here we see the means or the method, the way, not only by which we enter into the kingdom of heaven, but by how we are great. Jesus goes so far as to direct all of your attention to these little children. And these little children all have angels guarding them. That's what he says. That's what Jesus says. Why does he direct the apostles and us not to the prophets, not to the great kings, not to some wise man, not to the rich and the powerful, but to little children? What are the qualities of children that we should pay attention to? Well, the first thing is that a child is utterly dependent upon its mother. Here you have these people who defend abortion and say, well, they need the mother, and so it's just a parasite. They actually call babies parasites, right? Well, if I left Priscilla on her own, I don't know how long she'd last. She's three years old. We need God. And this brings us to another point, is that children listen to their parents. They do. They may forget it, but they believe it. I tell my parents, or I tell my children something, and they say, oh, this is the way it is. Some of you may have read the Calvin and Hobbes comic strips, where Calvin asks his dad these questions. And he says, how do they know how much weight, uh, how much weight a bridge can handle? And Calvin's dad says, well, they build a bridge, and they keep driving things over it until it collapses. And then they go, and and then Calvin believes it. He's like, "Oh, oh, that's interesting. Children, they believe it. Why? Because they need. They trust. And so just as children trust their parents, so we need to trust our Heavenly Father who speaks to us through Jesus Christ. We need him. You don't need more money. If God gives it to you, don't set your heart on it. Use it for him. But if you're a greedy cut off that hand, if you're rushing towards pleasures that God didn't give, these things could offend Christ's little ones. Repent. It would be better if a millstone were tied around your neck and you were thrown into the depth of the sea if you caused one of these little children to stumble away from Jesus. Could there be a more horrible thing? How could Jesus talk so so? so seriously about this, because it's so serious. These children whom we ignore, whom we send from our company, like, get away, kid, you're bothering me. Jesus says to pay attention to them. Why? Well, okay, they they are in need. They believe. There is another thing about children which I have observed, and perhaps you have too. A kid will be screaming in pain over something, or over some offense. And then in two minutes later, we'll be laughing and having a great time. The child just simply forgets the wrong that was done. Right? The kid will be like, I want an apple. I want an apple. I want an apple. Mom, give me an apple. I want an apple. And then as soon as she gets the apple, she goes and she sits down on the ground in the dirt and happily eats the apple, not caring what anybody thinks about her, what her glory is. She takes the lowest place. I say she because I'm thinking of one little girl in particular. (laughs) What a beautiful example for us. That's not the way of the world. The meek don't inherit the earth according to the world and according to the wisdom of the world. But Jesus says, Amen, I say to you. Assuredly, I say to you. Unless you are converted become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now how? Well, you come with nothing. You come absolutely dependent on God. This is why we bring children to baptism. Those who teach that baptism doesn't save flatly contradict the words of Jesus, who says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Jesus wouldn't say whoever believes and does this good work will be saved. Saint Peter says baptism does also now save you. Saint Paul says he saved us by the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, why are people so offended at this? Because it's just water and the word as Ephesians says. It's just water in the Word. It's just something so simple. Well, you have to believe. You have to repent. Yeah, of course you have to. But your believing does not create your salvation. Faith is simply the hand that receives. It isn't a work that you do. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. How does he give faith? He gives (laughs) faith to you when you have no faith. He gives faith to you when you have nothing. Now, every one of my children I have seen, after they are born, within minutes, they do this thing. They go, why are they doing this? Because they need their mother's milk. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. Baptism gives you salvation, not because it's just water, but because of the word that is in it. And so we bring little children to to baptism, Because it gives them salvation. Well, they can't make a decision. Neither can we. God convinces us with his word. Well, little children can't believe. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better if a millstone were tied around us. Who believe in me, the scripture says. John the Baptist leapt in his mother's womb. He believed. Why would Jesus give such little child as an example of the greatest kingdom in the kingdom of heaven if you can't Believe. No, he believes. My children believe. This is why it's wonderful to be baptized. My parents weren't worried about, I wonder when he's going to commit his life to Jesus. They treated me as a Christian my entire life. I don't remember not being a Christian. I remember stumbling and falling and rising rising up again because I had this promise that God made me his child. I'm not trusting in my works when I trust that God is speaking the truth to me in my baptism. I'm trusting in his word. I'm not relying on anything I've done but entirely and only on the grace of God. Therefore, they err who forbid baptism for children. They don't just err, but they are sinning. Now, not only in addition to this keeping children away from baptism, but there are many other ways that we can offend, cause, and scandal to little ones. And that is by our sins. It is by a bad example and false doctrine and other things. John Brenz, a Lutheran pastor from the 1500s, said there aren't enough millstones in Germany to throw all of the horrible sinners who have caused children to stumble into the sea. And so we must repent. And I think Jesus is teaching us to do this. When he says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, and your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, etc." he's not talking about actually doing that. If we all were to do that, then I wouldn't have a tongue or anything, and we would just be dead. And that's the point. That's the point. He's talking about a spiritual surgery. He's talking about going to the heart, where all sin comes from, and repenting, humbling yourself, recognizing that you are not greater than that child. But look at what I've done. The child hasn't done anything. The child just eats and sleeps and poops and pees. (laughs) Sounds like you, doesn't it? We need... God to come to us again and again, to change our dirty diaper, to feed us, give us what we can't give ourselves. We need to become like little children, not just once, but every day. And that's why Jesus says that we do not despise, we do not think down on, is the way the Greek goes, think down on, one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven there are angels, always see the face of my Father, who is in heaven for the son of man has come to save that which was lost Wow! Oh, they have angels mighty angels now it's called saint michael All angels so that the church in her wisdom said let's have a feast to teach people about angels wonderful we in our christian liberty can do that and we lutherans love to keep traditions of the church that extol the gospel and are good for christian discipline we can do that so we have our robes we have candles we don't need all this stuff but we use it and so today we're learning about angels <coughs> angels are messengers They are not the cutesy, little precious little things that people think of, and those little cupids with the whatever. They are scary and mighty. You don't want a weak, little, cute angel protecting you from the devil. You want a mighty, strong angel. And that is what every one of these little ones has. Every single one of them. Now, another thing about angels is that it means messenger. They always have the word of God. And they always do the word of God as we say. They heed the voice of God and they do his word, they do his good pleasure. So wherever God's word is, there the angels are. Angels are here. In a little bit, I'm going to say, therefore, with angels and archangels, we law to magnify. Why do I say that? Because they're where the word of God is. They announce the birth of the conception of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus. They come and give good news. And they are everywhere. We don't see them. There's one time, Elisha is stuck up in Damascus, and there's this Assyrian army is all around him. And he's got a servant. And he says, the servant says, what are we going to do? We can't get out. We're surrounded. And Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And God opens his eyes, and he sees tens of thousands of chariots of angels all around him. There are more with us than there are with them. But you only know this when you believe it like a little child. You only know this when you know that you have a Father in Heaven who is pleased with you for Christ's sake. When you are strong. When you are better than the children. When you are wondering who's going to be the greatest. Well then, you're not going to be cutting off your hand, repenting. You're going to be arguing and dividing the church. But Jesus came the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Here we see that little children are lost. They're born in sin. That's what the Bible teaches. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and yet Jesus came to save them. And he comes to save you. He comes to save you. When you know that you're lost, when you know that by yourself you have no strength, when you know that after you have worked, and later and you see progress in your life, and yet even then you see when you want to do good, you find evil present with you. The flesh, with its desires, is warring against the faith, the new man that God has created. But you are weak. And You find yourself not being in the place that you should be, not being with God and trusting in Him, and, 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 and crying out to Him like, like a child does to his father Daddy, give me food, help me. You get afraid. And what does Jesus do? He sends his angels, his messengers. The angels who go to the churches in Revelation, it says, to the angel of this church in Revelation. That's to the pastor, because the pastor has a message. He speaks the word of God. And if you remember when Jesus sent out the 70 to go and preach the gospel and passed out demons, they came back rejoicing, saying, even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. But nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The word of God causes the devil to be thrown out of heaven. Michael speaks the word of God. That is what drives the devil out. Only the word of God. Only that simple thing that the world ignores, that doesn't make people strong, that didn't benefit Alexander the Great, that Adam set aside, that the devil says isn't true. That little word in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, that is the power of God that moves heaven and earth to find poor lost sinners and tell you again, God has found you. He has found you in the lowest place because the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the God who had all the glory of his Father. And he did not consider equality with God something that he could grasp, something to snatch at, something to take like fruit from a tree. But he humbled himself, he emptied himself, and took upon himself the form of a servant. And being found looking like any weak man, he humbled himself and was obedient unto the point of death, even the death of the cross. And there, there, on this cross, he shed his blood Now if you remember in the Old Testament in the Holy of Holies which the high priest would enter once a year there was the mercy seat and blood was poured on it and the mercy seat was hidden from the holy place by a veil, a curtain and on either side of the mercy seat were the cherubim, these angels God dwells between the cherubim and when Jesus died and said it is finished his work was done and he had borne the sin of the world the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom means that you enter into the holy place, the most holy place, when you believe the gospel. And what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say in Luke? He says, I tell you, he says later on in this chapter, he says this. Listen, he tells the story of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost sheep. Right? And Luke says, he says, there is more joy among the angels in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous who have no need of repentance. You see, when a sinner repents, when he sees his sin, and he turns to God and says, You are my only hope. I have heard this message that you will not crunch a smoking wick and that you won't break a bruised reed. And I have heard that you help the poor and the from the one who is more powerful than him. And I have heard that you desire to save sinners. And I have heard that you sent your Son not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And you turn to him and you repent and you lay a hold of that tree of life and that blood that washes the sin of the world away and that body which has tasted for you death and risen again from the grave to give you eternal life. The angels rejoice in heaven. And you dwell with the angels. You are with them. You are in the heavenly place, as Christ, as as Paul says, He has made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He lifts your soul from sin and death and shows you, as a child of God, despised by the world, maybe not having this world's greatness, but the greatest in the kingdom of God—a little child, a little child, with all of heaven and earth in his heart, because Jesus is there whom he loves. These angels will guide us and protect us. I pray that God grant you simplicity in your faith, so that when you repent, you hear not only the voice of the gospel forgiving you, but the songs and jubilation of the angels singing for joy that you belong to Jesus and will forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. for all thy goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of thy dear Son, and for the revelation of thy will and grace. And we beseech thee so to implant thy word in us, that in good and honest hearts we may keep it, and bring forth fruit by patient continuance in well-doing. Most heartily we beseech thee so to rule and govern thy church universal, with all its pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of thy saving word whereby faith toward thee is strengthened, love increased in us toward all mankind, and thy kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into thy harvest, and sustain those that thou hast sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant also health and prosperity to all that are in authority, especially to the President of Congress of the United States, the Governor and Legislature of the State of Wyoming, all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after thy good pleasure to the maintenance of righteousness and the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. It may it please thee also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want sickness, anguish of labor, peril, death, or any other adversity. Especially for those who are in suffering for thy names and for thy truth's sake, comfort, O God, with thy Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of thy fatherly will. And although we have deserved thy righteous wrath and manifold punishments, Yet we entreat thee, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth, nor our many transgressions, but blot out thy means, out of thine unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, <clears throat> defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest, and from famine from anguish of heart and despair of thy mercy and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show thyself a very present help the Savior of all men and especially of them that believe. Cause all needful fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young in our families and at St. Andrew's Lutheran School. Bless all lawful occupations on land and sea to all pure arts and useful knowledge, grant your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before thee, that thou hast purchased us to be thine own, that we may live unto thee. These, and whatsoever other things thou wilt have us ask of thee, O God, grant us for the sake of the bitter sufferings and death of Jesus Christ, thine only Son, our Lord and Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost. Everyone God ruled without end. Amen. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, Christ our Lord. Rule Him, Your Majesty, is praised by all the holy angels, and celebrated with one accord by the heavens and all the our that The children and savants sing Your praise, and with them we, Lord, magnify Your glorious name, evermore praising You and Savior. Precious blood of our Lord, provide you made full satisfaction for all sins and strengthen you, keep you steadfast in the true faith and life in the last. Do art of peace, for sins Amen. And precious blood of our Lord, whereby you made full satisfaction for all your sins, strengthen you, keep you steadfast in the life everlasting, depart in peace. Your sins are. satisfaction for all sins bring with you, keep you steadfast in the true faith, unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. Amen. Oh. Oh.